Thank you for joining me on episode 22 of the Unique On Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, and I'm just a regular gal trying to help people know that they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. Today is part one of unconditional love. And when I first sought out to interview wife and mother, Sarah Holmes, I wanted to talk about the uniqueness of adoption. But our conversation started out with her severely special needs son, and it grew into what it means to sacrificially love. So grab your tissues as Sarah shares her story that I hope inspires you and challenges you. Welcome back to the Unique on Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Jenneman. And today we're kind of taking a little different turn. Uh, About a couple months ago, we had talked to a gentleman about what it was like to be adopted and finding his identity in Christ through adoption. And today I have a friend, Sarah Holmes. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Sarah is an adoptive mom. And I'm really excited that you're here. Sarah, you are a wife, you're a mom, you're also a homeschool mom, and that's a yes. whole nother that's a whole nother subject uh, yep. <laughs> that we won't even discuss right now. That's 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 a topic for another time. But you have eight children. Yes. And four of them you have adopted, and you also have a special needs child as well. So you you're you're busy. You have a lot of stuff yes. going on. As we start, I really just kind of want to Start at the beginning of okay, you're you're married, you have these eight kids, but where did this start? Like, where did this come from? Of oh, I have four children. I think we'll adopt four more. Like, can you kind of just start? Did you always have that heart for adoption? No, um, actually, I, I never saw myself as an adopted mom. I um, grew up in a family of eight kids. I oh, loved, you you were one of eight yes, yourself. Oh, I wow. Was. Okay. So I love the idea of family. There was mm-hmm. a lot of craziness that went on, but there was always something going on exciting. Mm-hmm. And so I loved having brothers and sisters. Starting out, I just wanted to, we thought maybe we'd have five kids total. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband's dad's the oldest of 12, so he has a huge family. And family meant a lot to us. So we just had a heart to have kids, but our own kids. Yeah. And that's kind of how it started. Mm-hmm. And then tell me that process of you had shared with me earlier about something that happened to you when you were younger that I think kind of prepped you for adoption later on in life. Yes. When I was in elementary school, they were trying to mainstream kids that had special needs. And so in one of my classes, I had, um, well, most of our classes when we had art or gym, they would mainstream two children that had and I'm sorry, Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Being around them and and kind of seeing how they would act and they would do things that I saw as innocent, but that was in the in the day and age where you paddled kids in school mm-hmm. and I saw them get in trouble. But I knew that they had an innocent heart. I mm-hmm. knew they weren't like the other kids. Yeah. And they're very soft and mm-hmm. very gentle and very sweet. And so as a child, I knew that what they had done was wrong, but it wasn't like on purpose. And like, right. And their a, heart. They, yeah. They didn't have that mischievous heart. It was something innocent. Right. And so I um just I just wished, you know, I just wanted to make sure that when they got home that their mama loved them and, mm. and, and cared for them because... I, their mom would show up and she didn't seem like she was very attentive. And now looking back as a mom, she's probably stressed out. But yeah. um, and then I also had another classmate that was blind and had muscular dystrophy. And he would sit in the class next to us and he would know when his bus was here to get him because he could tell 
by the sound of his bus's engine Mm -hmm. outside through a brick wall. Mm -hmm. And I was fascinated by that, that he had an intelligence that I didn't have. Um, Mm -hmm. But yet he was kind of kind of looked over by the other kids and they didn't really talk to him. And I wanted to talk and relate to them, but I just didn't know what to do because I kind of was afraid. And so that I think at a young age, I saw other children with disabilities or struggles, I had a heart of compassion that kind Mm -hmm. of just, I caught at a young age. (laughs) (laughs) So let's fast forward. You're married to Jeremy now and you start having kids. Take me through the process of Levi, who was your third child. Yes. So we had two children that were pretty close in age, Adelaide and Wilson got pregnant for Levi, and we're kind of at a crossroads in our life to know what to do with my husband's job. And we didn't really know what to do, but we just prayed, God, just use us. We were real struggling, and he was interviewing all over the state of Michigan for a job, and all the jobs were kind of falling through mysteriously in in strange ways. But we prayed, God, just just help us and and just use us. And we thought maybe we should get pregnant, and we got pregnant right away. It was our our only child that was planned. Wait, 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 wait. hold on. Back up a second. You're you're struggling to find a job, and you're like, maybe we should get pregnant? (laughs) Right. Well, he had a job, but it was just, we just felt like uh, we moved to Sheboygan, Michigan, wanting to stay there for the rest of our lives. But Mm. just, God just started wrestling. We started just messing with our, our, um, our comfort level, I think. Okay. And what we thought was going to be a comfortable ride out for the rest of our lives in a small town didn't turn out to be that way. Mm. So we just really started praying and, and, and really seeking the Lord. But there was really no answers that were coming up. And we had some problems with our two-year-old who I was entering in some, into some amazing power struggles with him. Um, he was a very stubborn little guy, and he drove a car at two years old so that if he can kind of, <laughs> he just didn't didn't like the, the word no. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, well, maybe we just need to be seeking some parenting advice. And so we started looking for a parenting ministry and got involved with that. But we just kind of felt like still there was something not missing. So we thought the answer would be have another child, mm. even though Jeremy's job situation wasn't, wasn't panning out. Um, we got pregnant, and I was six months pregnant. Um, pregnant and his job, he, his job offer came through out of the blue, a place that we didn't really anticipate, called us back. And so that's how we landed back in Kalkaska, Michigan. But then when I, I was starting to get my OB appointments late because we had transferred doctors yeah. and the first ultrasound I got was read as normal, but then I got called back because the, the tech didn't see that there was a missing kidney and so they did more tests, and every test just kept on getting worse and worse and worse. And so we found out that um, when I was six months, a little over six months pregnant, that our son was going to be, be born with DiGeorge syndrome, was, mm. which is a, a rare chromosomal disorder with 183 possible birth defects that go along with it. Mm-hmm. And some of the kids don't have a life expectancy. And so I got tests done in utero to figure this all out, but he had the severest kind of heart defect that you could have. Mm. And so with his heart defect alone, he had a 50-50% chance of survival and he was missing a kidney. So that kind of complicated things because in the the body system, the kidney wants the body wet and Mm. the heart wants the body dry. And so he always has struggled with kind of like the chemistry of his body. He was born critically ill. And for the first three years of his life, it was, it was terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, We were ambulance chasers 
and I, I had to learn how to do a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm not a um, medical person, <laughs> but I learned to do a lot of things scared. Um, he was on a feeding tube. He was on oxygen, and um, he had a, a, another heart surgery that turned his life around mm-hmm. at a year. But at a year, he was failure to thrive. He was 12 pounds at mm-hmm. a year, year wow. old and weaker than a, a newborn. So we had intense therapy to get him to eat. But he, because of his heart defects and his lungs, he never had enough oxygen to his heart. And he, it was a miracle that the kid, these kids survived, but he, he was just, everything was right for him to be able to, to get um, a heart surgery. Several of them, he, like I said, he was just, at one point, the doctors had to sign our rights away because they said, there's, there's nothing that we can do for your son. And, um, whoa, 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 back up, sign your rights away that you had no right. Well, he was, he was on, he was born and he was just struggling so much with, um, pressure on his brain, liver, liver failure, kidney failure, heart failure, that they were just trying to keep him alive. And so they put him on a heart ECMO machine and they mm-hmm. said that it will, if it's going to work, he'll turn around within a couple of days. Mm-hmm. But if not at the end of the week, we need to have the right to turn off the machine. So um, he had, he called us into, the, he told us all this in a little parent room and he was standing there with a contract and a pen. And then he left and gave us a few moments, but so wait, wait, what's going on in your mind at this point? Well, I just really kind of throw it all up to God. Cause you're like, what, you know, this is, this is craziness. It was like a movie. They were going to let us see him for one last time. And you, we, we prayed, we cried and we signed and, um, they, they took us back in the room and it was like, uh, you know, a Hollywood film where they had about 50 people in the room, all just doing something. And um, one of the nurses, one of the young nurses walked in with this huge vial. He was, he was bleeding out just continuously. They had this huge vial full of blood. And this young nurse walked over and said, um, how should I give it? Because usually they give blood transfusions over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And one of the male physicians yelled, push it. And I thought we were just going to watch Levi die right in front of us. Mm. And that was kind of like, um, he miraculously survived that. And that was kind of like what happened over and over and over again the, the, the first three years of his life. And then he had a, another heart surgery that miraculously turned his life around. But before that, he stopped breathing at home at about 3 o'clock in the morning. It was a miracle that we caught that. Just a lot of things that were just unexplainable. So we knew that there was a purpose for Levi, but we didn't know. And it was exhausting because usually you, when you think about God giving you a purpose, you think that it's going to be easy, you know, or you hear all this stuff that, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And Yeah, that's, that's I, not true. Yeah, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I, I think that God gives you so much so that you don't depend on yourself and you need him to get through right. it. Right. Um, but can I ask real quick, what is, Jeremy's a doctor. So what's going on in his mind? Did he have this, I don't know, this feeling of I'm a doctor and I can't even help my own son? Yeah, he struggled with that daddy doctor thing where he knew all the medical stuff that was going on. And it was it was devastating for him to see this is the stuff that was happening to Levi was stuff that he read in textbooks or stuff that that was really incompatible with life. And he kept on living and so I think he worried a lot more. It was good for me that I wasn't a medical person because yeah. I didn't I didn't have the knowledge to know exactly <laughs> how bad it was. <laughs> but I think that sometimes you just you have no choice but to do things scared and with faith. Yeah. <laughs> so we had kind of, 
you know, our, our ups and downs with that. Mm-hmm. He, he went through three years of just life struggle. And mm-hmm. we lived in isolation because he was born without an immune system. The doctors told us it would be a good idea to homeschool. And we had decided to homeschool just for, you know, that year because we had moved and wanted to find time to find an elementary school. It just kind of stuck with us because he was in the hospital so much we ended up hospital schooling. Then after the three years of life struggles, then he had a miraculous surgery that turned his life around and he started started to, to heal. His hair started to grow. He started to... We still had to get him off his feeding tubes. We went to New York City to a feeding clinic for a month out of out of state, and I lived there and homeschooled while he was in intense feeding therapy mm-hmm. to get him off his feeding tube. Then he went through six years of intense physical and occupational therapy just in order to get him to hold a pencil because kids with George syndrome have low muscle tone. Mm. And so at 10 years of age, he could hold a pencil, and then that's when we enrolled him in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. It was about that time when we were really seeing that finally, you know, the end, the end of the road of all the struggles for him mm-hmm. that we thought at that point, we just kind of had this void. Like we just got off this roller coaster because everything was just traumatic and stressful because it was usually a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. He had severe um, developmental delays mm-hmm. that they, that he really, we struggled to get through after he was kind of at a, at a lull and we had some time to catch our breath and just kind of think about what had just happened. What had um, just happened the past six, ten right. years? <laughs> yeah, and how the Lord held us together, but it, it was it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. But we just started just started searching our hearts. We thought, well, maybe you know, maybe we we need some sort of a change, and we we did want to have more children. We realized all those years that we would have had maybe a couple more kids that we were just really focused on keeping Levi alive and and his health issues. So, and didn't you have a child in the middle of all of this? Right. Yeah, that was kind of an accident. <laughs> a good accident. Right, a good accident. <laughs> yes. Um, we. I was actually, both of us were actually pretty fearful of having another child because I was getting older and I, I had to really have a heart check because I had to be thankful if this child would have special needs as well. Mm-hmm. We um, went on a second honeymoon in the middle of my cycle and it was going to be perfect, <laughs> you know. I came home pregnant and so that was really God's blessing because we would never have done that on our mm-hmm. own accord. Yeah. Um, and so we were we were very ha- happy that on Easter morning we had a healthy boy, mm-hmm. Lewis, that was born. That is just really special, and and God answered our prayers. But we were we were we were ready to be thankful for a son that would a, another son that had special needs. So you were kind of preparing yourself. You had just gone because what's the age difference between Levi and Lewis? Five years. Okay, so you have this five-year-old special needs son, and you were willing. You said, if this boy is also special needs, we're going to be okay with it. Like, that's huge. I think that's a huge, uh, when you're able to submit that to the Lord. I know you want to go into the adoption portion, and I do too, but I really want to hear your thoughts that you shared with me earlier about this doesn't happen to good Christian people like me, the, the, the whole special, this happens to other people. Can you kind of right. share that with me? The thoughts, because anybody else that's listening right now that has special needs kids would might not admit that they have those feelings too, but I think it's important that they hear that. No, there are other moms that have those feelings. Well, I think that, you know, we had, I, I had never known anybody personally that had children with special needs. I had just seen, you know, at a young age, seen, you know, classmates that had that, but, I think that I I felt like that happens to other people because I didn't know any Christians that mm. had children with special needs. Okay. In our small, isolated 
town growing up. And so I, I it wasn't a doctrine that I was taught. It just kind of happened that when that when they told me that, you know, the ultrasound was bad, I had a, several ultrasounds that were bad before and we prayed about it. We went down to Grand Rapids and got a high risk OB appointment and had a ultrasound in it and we prayed and it turned out fine. And we had, a, uh, our second son was born healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just realized thought, you know, I'm going to pray about this and God's going to come through. But then when this ultrasound was bad, I was kind of in a little bit denial, like, oh, ultrasound is a moving picture. It, it's, it's not really what it seems. This is just my faith challenge. So we're going to pray, mm-hmm. you know, that for his healing. Mm-hmm. Actually, before Levi was born, for two years, my sister, who had moved out of state, said that her church was doing a, going through a healing Bible study and wanted to know if we wanted to go through it. And she was going to send it to us. And we declined. And I thought, oh, isn't that, isn't that nice? You know, I have two healthy children, you know, so mm-hmm. it wouldn't be for me and our, my family. But, you know, Jeremy being a physician, you know, maybe he can glean some, some wisdom from this. But the next year she offered to it to us. And this is before we're even pregnant. This is before, you know, mm-hmm. two years in a row, we declined again. And then when I fast forward, I almost kind of forgot all about that, you know, and then I, I'm pregnant, moving, get these ultrasounds that just keep on getting worse, keep on getting worse. And she sent us the Bible study mm. in the mail. <laughs> we, she didn't have to ask us. <laughs> so, she wasn't going to ask. <laughs> you know, so we put, um, we went through, you know, the, the doctrine of healing and, um, and because in the Bible, it does talk about, you know, healing and that there's different reasons for people being sick. And we're desperate. We're not like people that are going to condemn other people for their faith on healing and stuff like that. But when it's your son yeah, and you want your son to live, mm-hmm. you, you find your faith right. and you want to know. Mm-hmm. And so um, that kind of set our faith. We waited for about two weeks in Grand Rapids for him to be born because if he was born, we just figured he was going to die or God was going to do a miracle and Mm -hmm. it was going to be all better, Mm -hmm. just like it had happened before. Mm -hmm. God was just going to do a a miraculous healing. So we waited there because if he was born, if I had any complications, they would take him C-section and then he he could die during childbirth Mm -hmm. or just right away. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want to take any chances because we wanted to be able to say goodbye to him and be there. So we were hanging out in Grand Rapids waiting for them to induce me. 183 different birth defects that go along with it. All of them are on the, the hemisphere of the heart that go along with the face, facial features, the eyes, the nose, the ears. He was going to have eye fissures, anal fissures. He was going to have weird turned eyes, ears, a weird nose. You call that the medical term from that is FL kid, funny looking kid. <laughs> nice. And, um, I was really struggling because the day that most parents are really excited for would be the day that I'd say goodbye. Mm. And he was, he was due, um, the day after Christmas and Christmas was my favorite holiday. And I went into this like really dark depression of like waiting for three months, waiting for the end to happen. I I cried myself to sleep. I just, all those mommy emotions just, Mm -hmm. you know, are so real just become such a reality to you, the life and death situation. So I realized that in my grief, the only thing I could do because I didn't want him to be hearing me cry mm-hmm. while he was still alive in mm-hmm. my, in my womb. So that was when I started singing and started singing for him. So the day came where we, we went through the, the healing body bill study and, you know, I wasn't going to be mad at God if he didn't answer, but I really wanted to have a, healing. I was really struggling in, 
anxious about the delivery. So Jeremy sent me to the mall to, to get to get out of the house. And I'm sitting in the food court eating and, you know, about 37 weeks pregnant. And a woman comes in with a boy in a wheelchair that is um, terribly disabled. She wheels him in and sits down and I'm eating my food and trying not to notice him because I'm thinking about what I have to look forward to. He was drooling and his arms were all crumpled up and he started making noises and then the noises got louder and then they became wails and they got to be so loud and so current um, that the woman just wheeled the, packed up and wheeled the boy out and I thought, oh God, is that going to be me? And I think what had happened is that I had to face my heart because I had a heart of perfection mm. and I was afraid that I couldn't love something so broken. I, um, I went home and I didn't tell my husband about this because there was kind of a shame that goes along with it, yeah. that you would just not love something that wasn't perfect. And it was something that I was so embarrassed that I wouldn't even tell my husband about it because it was something that I w- it was my heart and how God God looks at all of us broken, and he, he, he calls us beautiful. So the day finally came, the moment where we would see if God was gonna, how God was going to answer our prayer, because I, you know, just struggling with all this fear, and what is my future going to be like taking care of a child that's an invalid? Mm-hmm. And what about my other two children? Because at that point, all the doctor's appointments had been so overwhelming, but they induced me. And on de- December 15th, Levi was born, natural delivery. They um, cleaned him up just real quick and put him up on my, on my belly. And I looked down and his eyes were rolling back in his head and his head was misshapen. And it was at that point that my heart broke because I realized that he was perfect because I was his broken mother and he was my broken son. And it wasn't until that moment of truth where God's love just, just flooded through my heart that it was the miracle of love that happened. He had severe cranial synostosis where his head was basically at a triangle in the back, putting tremendous pressure on his brain you know, he would, he couldn't look straight. His eyes are rolling back in his head. And so later on, a couple of weeks later, they realized that they needed to do his cranial synostosis surgery right away before his heart, because if they did his heart, it would release the pressure and grow to, go to his brain and he'd have an aneurysm. So they did the, the surgery. I walked into the room and a couple of weeks later, they took off the bandages and they unwrapped his head and his head was perfect. So it was no longer misshapen. Right. They had done okay. the, the surgery and, and had um, taken bone out and had corrected it. But it was at that moment, you know, I, ha- I had known the miracle of love that the Lord flooded through my heart. But it was also at this moment where I realized that a flood of anger went through my heart mm. because I fell in love with a head that was broken. Oh. And that was the, 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 real, the reality of that God was... God was um, showing me the love that I needed Mm -hmm. and that Levi had so many other things about him that was broken and that was going against him to be able to live. I felt guilty that I had 
that I had arteries in and a valve to my heart and my and that I I didn't I had both my kidneys and I just felt like I was angry with with the world because my son couldn't live because he wasn't good enough. Mm. So that's when you you really start longing for heaven mm. more than anything. Was there ever that pressure of terminating your pregnancy? Did anybody ever bring that up to you? No, actually not. And I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know since then we've met other, a couple other parents that have children with George syndrome and they had people that, that tried to um, pressure them to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. But that was never, and I don't know if it was because my husband was a physician that they never said anything, mm-hmm. but I count that as a blessing. Okay. My husband was out of work for about three months because of being in the hospital and everything was, you know, life or death mm-hmm. that we kind of wondered about his job because he had just taken on a new job. But the Lord um, blessed us with the graciousness of the um, the physicians that he was working for, that they worked it out and ended up forgiving the time that he had lost. Mm. Another blessing, you know. Right. It's it's difficult when you have go through something like this and things just keep on getting worse and worse and worse that it's overwhelming because every news, every bit of news that we got after he was born was like, he's not going to survive. This is like really bad. And, um, and so we had to like find something to be thankful for. So we had set up a care page with U of M back then they did care pages and now you have like Facebook that you can post things on. But we had, it's right when the internet was pretty young and we would post all the prayer requests for him. And then at the end we would say, Levi lives Mm. because amongst all the the negative things that we were battling and prayer needs that we had, that was the one thing that we could praise was that he was still alive. Mm -hmm. At one point, they came in and said that they were giving him so much morphine at the the high levels. They said that they would never go over. They kept on going up and up. And then they said that at one point they were giving him such high doses that it could be destroying his hearing. Mm. So then I thought, oh, great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so now he's not going to be able to hear, you yeah. know. Um, so I think that, but then getting back and saying, getting back on track saying, okay, Levi lives, Levi lives and mm-hmm. just clinging to that that no one ever wishes for their child to pass away. Mm-hmm. But that was the one thing that I could, in the midst of like the the chaos, that I could just pray that God still has a purpose for him to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And so how old is he now? He is 17 years old. 17. So he's defied really all, I mean, do kids, how is it pronounced? Is it George syndrome? Die George syndrome. Die George syndrome. Do do kids with die George syndrome live to be 17? Oh yes. Yeah. They can, it's, it can be very mild. Mm -hmm. You don't even detect that you have it. You might have some slight learning disabilities Mm -hmm. Um, or it can be very severe, but Levi had the severe heart defect and then the chromosomal or the, um, the um, immune system without, you know, he has missing his thymus gland and half of his parathyroid and then missing the kidney, which really did a number on, on, on his life and struggles. Um, and so they say that sometimes they'll just get to kind of in their, their teen years and they'll just get an infection in the lungs and then they just, they can't fight it off mm-hmm. and then they'll pass away. It, 
but it's different for everyone, but it's also very rare. So you don't really know a whole lot of people, but, um, he had, he had, some, he has some severe form of, of Dijord's syndrome. Mm-hmm. And he is probably one of the sweetest human beings on the planet. <laughs> I just absolutely love that kid. And he brings joy to everybody. And so he, I don't know when I look at him, I think if you ever think, God, what's the purpose of this? Really, it's he brings joy. Yes. That's just mm-hmm. what he is. He's just this <laughs> bouncing man of joy, mm-hmm. you know, and he brings joy to every single person that meets him. And I think that God allows those things to happen. So like you said, we can see the brokenness and we can still love the brokenness and we can still see how beautiful the brokenness is. Thank you once again for joining Sarah and I on that inspiring conversation. Make sure you tune in next week as Sarah shares her story of adopting four other children while taking care of little Levi. And for those of you who are on the fence about adoption, make sure you check it out. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. Remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you next week.